and welcome to Tune the Cud, Season 2, Episode 6. My name's Andrew Jones. And Neil Gregor. We're here to entertain you again. Well, that's, Hope that's, everybody as well. Yeah, that's what we're here to try and do, especially as it's now our December uh, episode. So I guess first things first, happy Christmas, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, enjoy, that enjoy, sounds enjoy. a lot. Busy <laughs> <laughs> roads. Well, yes, yes, yes. Anyway, so it's now, yeah, well, as we record this, we're currently in the middle of, uh, no, I was going to say cyclone, that's where we'll get on to. It's storm Kieran, is it? So there's rain all around us. Yeah, um, around us immediately, Hampshire and those areas. But, uh, but anyway, not to worry. Um, so it's December, and like usual, we try and uh, have a podcast that's a little bit different, maybe a little bit more entertaining. Yep. Um, so last year we had Greg Ridout, um, who talked about becoming an auctioneer. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a bit surprised that Greg hasn't had the listeners I was expecting, if you yep. look at them. But everyone that does listen to it absolutely loves it. And it was a good plug. It was. What a character he was. So hopefully our guest today will entertain just as well. Um, so no pressure. No pressure. And hopefully the technology works today. Uh, we are joined by one of my old neighbours, James Garrity, from up uh, near Miller Miller in far north Queensland. So I'll say morning, but it's evening your end. How are things, James? Yeah, just as you blokes are cooling down, we're warming up. We're coming into our storm season now. And we're definitely waiting um, on the storms. We haven't had rain since the 9th of October. And believe it or not, we're getting desperate. Yeah, for yeah. Miller Miller, that's saying something. Um, so we will talk about that definitely as we go along. But James, let's do what we usually do. Let's start with you. How, how, how did you get to where you are today um, within the dairy industry? Right, so my grandfather used to milk cows at Lismore, um, which is in northern in New, New South Wales. Yep. Yep. So that's about 2,000, 2,200 kilometres south of where we currently are. Um, in 1932, they moved up to the Tablelands here, which a lot of people from Lismore did. All the Reynoldses, Tranders, Daleys, they all came from Lismore. Um, Emerson's. Graham's, all the all the key names in the industry all moved up, but they came before my family did. did. So we moved say, up did, and, there's a there's a lot did, didn't they? They're all names, families, names I yeah. recognise, and that's what I understand from my time in well, Jesus, twenty five years ago, nearly now. Um, they all sort of moved up from Lismore, I guess, brought cattle with them as they came. Well, I was just going to say, Andrew, they chased the cattle, they walked the cattle from Lismore to North Queensland. Um, How long did it they, take them, do you know? No, I don't, mate. I, I thought of that just before I got on this with you. I should know, but I do know that when they came up, they hit ticks and they lost a considerable amount of cattle to the tick fever. Yeah. Um, so do you have ticks in England? Uh, yes, they seem to surprisingly be getting a little bit more and more, but we don't get... Um, the paralysis tick over here and it's interesting when i first came back uh what's that nearly 15 years ago and i was milking for somebody um i was picking up ticks a lot quicker than the vets were going how did you pick that up it's like because i'm used to dealing with it in north queensland i knew what the signs were so there are ticks around and they do seem to be getting more prevalent Mm -hmm. so mate we come up we bought a block at miranda um long story short my my father and my uncle took that block on 
and we stayed out there until 1981. I finished school on the 20th of November, took over this farm on the 1st of December with my mother and father, and, yeah, still here. Um, is that, that, that block in Melanda, that wouldn't be where your cousin was farming, was it? Or is that a different uh, he, he was in Atherton. Remember That's Ned right. McDonald? Yep. Yep, that was my block. That's where I grew up. Uh, so just just as a aside, I went back and saw my bank manager when Nev went to sell it. Yep. I said to the bank manager, I want $2.2 million to buy that 1,000 acres back. When he stopped laughing and got himself off the floor and looked up over the top of the desk, he looked at me and goes, you were serious? I went, yeah, I was serious. Oh, man, he said, I'm sorry. And he sent us out a payment book for something we were buying, and he says, please for an enclosed payment book for loan number, dot, 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 dot. Regards, Merv. P.S. If you still want that 2.2 mil, buy a lotto ticket. It's the only hope you've got. <laughs> So, 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 yes, yeah, so you've been where you are in Miller, do you say, since 81? Yep. Um, and uh, so how many, how many, or what changes, how many cows, et cetera, are you, uh, you milking now? Right, so the day we took over here, we were milking 68. Normally, we would have milked 80 to 90. We bumped that up to 120. We leased the place next door in 1983. We leased another place next door in 85. Uh, we had a half a block away from here. Um, yeah, we sort of grew it and grew it, and one of the mates came out one day and he said, this is like my, my dad passed away on Christmas morning 1990, and this would have been the mid-90s. He came out and he looked around and he said, did you really think it would take you this long to get this farm in shape? I said, man, I thought it was, I thought it was in shape when we bought it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not about getting it in shape. It's just the changes that are happening in the industry and the and the world. Um, so fast forward today, we own three blocks here in conjunction with the bank. We've sold our heifer block. We still lease the block that we leased in 1983. Um, Kevin, my brother-in-law, you know him, we lease yep. his three blocks. We lease another block for some people that uh, live in Townsville. They just bought it as a house site, so we lease that. So we look, we look after about 1,300 acres, Andrew. Yep. Wow. Um, so it keeps us out of the pub on Sundays. Uh, but yeah. it's, pro it's probably more than that when you think of the, I know the topography of the area. I mean, I know um, where we were, the original uh, block we brought, or block, but blocks was 1,000 acres, and I'd worked on a 1,000-acre farm over here, and I tell you something, it was a damn sight more than a 1,000 acres. Yeah. Because it, it because it's it's so undulating um, right. up on the tablelands. The area is only taken on um, the area is only taken on the flat. So just to, to tell you what the topography here is like, if you go down to the back of our block here, you go through the boundary fence into the block that we've leased on and off since 1981. Um, you go out on the end of the ridge. If you go forward 300 feet, you will be 300 feet above the ground under you it actually drops 300 feet in 300 feet wow yeah so yeah it's it's definitely different country mate um i did a course in 1996 i was told i needed to do the course so i went and did the course um if i hadn't done that course i wouldn't be doing what i do today so 
I've just finished up doing, um, I don't know, what is it? This is 2023, so I've just finished doing 22 years with Queensland Dairy Farmers Organisation, which is a industry lobby group. Uh, finished that up uh, 12 months ago. And I'm just up for re-election at the moment for DFMC, the, the supply cooperative that supplies the factory in Melandra, and then down in southern Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia. Um, and this must be this must be 14 years I've done with them so far. And whether I go forward or not, we'll find out next week. So, yeah. so, um, so how, how, many are you, how many are you milking at home at the moment? Uh, we're milking about 220. We're actually low in numbers. We uh, should be milking more than that. Up until Bega bought us three years ago, um, our previous owners, the, the company that owned us previously, the processing plants, did not want milk. They they are actually um, dropping the volume of milk they required, um, which yeah, is very I, I very. Forget. Who, did, who, who did Bega buy it from? I forget. Right, no, so Bega bought it from Lion. Bought it from National Foods. Yeah. So yeah, look, um, Bega's a breath of fresh air for us. You, know, you go out, you make the milk, we'll process it. Yeah, we'll worry, we'll worry about, about what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, we're the milk processor. That's our job. You just go and produce it. Yeah. So that's that's a breath of fresh air to my farmers. Um, well, when I, when yeah. I was with. When I was with you, there was, what, about 200 farms and about 120 million litres going through Melanda. What is it today, then, in total, when you say that? Uh, so when I came here in 1981, there was 268 farms. <clears throat> I don't honestly know what the, what the production was at that time, but on the 1st of July 2000, the day that we deregulated the industry in Australia, there was 185 farms. And we did 134 million litres that year. And last year, there would have been about 36 or 37 farms. And we did 43 million litres last year for the tableland to the Melanda factory. And that's just to Melanda now, isn't it? Because obviously yeah. you do have um, Mangali now who've got several farms, etc. Yep, as well. They've, they've actually lost the farm as well. So they've got eight left with them. They yep. had nine. Um, yeah, so... But it's look, it's it's a lot better than it was fifteen months ago, Andrew. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So who's any of the kids at home with you, James, or are they all doing their own thing? Uh, no, they're all away, mate. Um, Shawnee's down in the coal. Just got passed out on a six hundred and fifty ton digger. Paddy went to our youngest. Oh, did you say six hundred and fifty ton? Yep, Shawnee wow. wanted to drive big machinery, and to do that, he needed to go to the coal. So he went and saw his boss, had a discussion with his boss, and his boss said, look, mate, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to lose you, but you're doing exactly what I did, and I totally understand. And I go that way. You, you could be famous. Um, <laughs> come on, sorry, you can join us. <laughs> it's actually Stace. <laughs> She's just going past. Um yeah, look, his boss said, look, I did exactly the same thing. I fully understand. You go, but if you ever want to come back, come back. 
So yep. Rob came home um, six weeks ago and he said he just got passed out on the 450-tonne digger and they've just shifted mine sites and before they went, they passed him out on the 650-tonne digger. Wow. I, I can't even comprehend what we're talking no. about. No, um, likewise. Yeah. Um, I know what a 30- and a 40-tonne digger look like, but... Yeah. Um, Paddy, our youngest fella, he went to Perth Christmas Day last year. Um, been doing tr driving delivery trucks around Perth, and he's just picked up a job on the diamond drills over there. So he's up at Port Headland, and he's working in 45-degree temperatures every day and absolutely yeah. loving it. Um, isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, they got to find their own path, mate, and... As you're fully aware, Annalisa was meant to go and find her husband and bring him home to milk my cows. Well, she went and found a better farm and went and milked his cows. <laughs> well, that, that didn't work out quite the way it was meant to. But, yeah. oh, but do you think any of them will ever come home? Oh, look, Kirsten would like to come home, I think. But, mate, she's got a life now. Her young fella is about 10 years old. And he decided to race motocross, and Kirsten, my daughter's 32, 33 this year, sorry. Um, she just looked at him and said, well, mate, if I've got to run you to motocross and sit there all day and watch you ride, I might as well buy a bike and I'll ride too. Have so a go too. He, yeah, he rides motocross, she rides motocross, and now his little sister rides motocross. <laughs> um, and Toddy... You, you'll know what I'm talking about, Andrew. Uh, Kirsten's husband thinks that Mount Surprise is the perfect climate to live in. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, to the listeners, that's about three hours to the west of us. Gets about 600, maybe 700 mils of rain a year versus our three and a half metres of rain a year. Yeah, um, we, we should say that that, that is James credit. It's three and a half meters a year. Just in case anyone's going, what that is legit. That is what an average rainfall is where you are, isn't yep, it? It mm. is. And if, if we look at our back door at Topaz, which is, as you're fully aware, literally five kilometers away from us um, to the north, uh, they average five meters a year. Mm. So yeah, um, it's it's a phenomenal amount of water. It is. Mm. It is. Really, it is. It's. It is. But, but so, it's a beautiful country. Oh, bad. Yeah. I, look, it, I can't complain. It was, it was a lovely place. It's just when you had to work in it and all it did was rain all the time. When the sun. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not since the 9th of October, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, 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 when the sun shined, yeah, it was beautiful country. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about it. All the rain has been hasn't been on the Yeah, exactly. So, so, so that's a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah. Give us a little bit of history of, about daring in uh, North Queensland, because I mean, certainly what I remember of it, really, the, the country was only sort of uh, cleared. What about nineteen eleven? Was it Miller was founded yeah. or something like that? Uh, early, early nineteen hundreds. When the, when the dairy, you know, everyone had a cow and everyone, you know. On the road where I live, we are the only dairy here now. Back in history, there was eight dairies on this road. When yeah. we came here, there was eight dairies this side of Miller. 
we are now the only dairy this side of Miller, apart from the Mungali boys. Um, the, the world has changed a lot, but in the original days, it was all butter. And we actually dealt with England. We were, we were pretty much part of English colonies. Well, yeah, uh, part we, of the Commonwealth we and part of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah we were, uh, you know, we became, uh, we became a federated self-entity in 1900, but, you know, we were still tied to the apron strings, so to speak, and we still sold butter to England. Um, it was only when the Americans turned up and they wanted to drink the milk and it had to be pasteurized milk. Um, that's so when, we're, uh, we're talking Second World War now, aren't yeah, we, really? Yeah, yeah, that's right, late 30s, early 40s. That's when the dairy industry really took off as, a, as we see it today. So, you know, there was literally tens and tens of thousands. So just because, because you raised it, the Americans were here, um, and you know I'm telling the truth. I mean, a lot of people won't, but on, if you get on Google and type in tree climbing kangaroo, you will find out that there is such a thing. So these are, they look like kangaroos, but they live in trees and they actually climb trees. So my, my mother and my grandfather lived just behind what you know as Gallows Chocolate Factory, Andrew. Yep. Um, probably two kilometres from there, my, my, my mother and her family had a dairy there. And they used to, during the war years, the Americans would walk over and buy chickens and eggs and meat and fruit and whatever they had that they could sell. So Granddad was there one day and he, he, this soldier turned up and he got what he needed. And Granddad said, all right, you want to see a tree climbing kangaroo? And this bloke looked at him and he goes, you Aussies? He said, you're always taking the piss, eh? He said, no, no, no. He said, no, I, I got this tree climbing kangaroo. Yeah, right. He said, no, no, come and have a look. So they went down the orchard because Granddad used to catch them and bring them home and put them up the fruit trees. So this bloke goes out with him and they looked down and they, they went through every tree. And he said, I knew it. I knew you was taking the piss. And in the yeah. last tree, here's this tree climbing kangaroo. <laughs> this, this yank looked at Granddad and he goes, can I have that? <laughs> he goes, what are, what are you going to do with it? He said, man, yeah. if I go back and I tell them I've seen a kangaroo what climbs trees and I haven't got it, they're going to put me in the brig. <laughs> so that, that battalion, he, um, if you grab these things by the tail, they will walk in front of you a bit like a wheelbarrow. Oh, I've heard that story at the time. Yep. I remember it now. Yes. Yep. Isn't that yep. interesting? So yes. he walked it from Gallo's Chocolate Factory back to Carrington, where they were camping, <laughs> carrying all the stuff that he bought off Grandad and da 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 da. And wherever that yeah. battalion went after that, that was their, their mascot. Uh, mascot. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, so, righto. But the, the, the Yanks were certainly what I'm told down my road as well, weren't they? I think someone told me they'd seen um, shell casings and whatever where yep. they'd been using it a, for uh, target practice and whatever. Of course, they went up, yeah, yep. up into Indonesia yep. or whatever, uh, wherever they went from you. Well, as we talked about before, where I grew up at Miranda, uh, I always knew there's a trig station on top of a hill on the property next door to us. To me, trigonometry is like um, 
like map reading. Yeah. But I was talking to a bloke a while back, and he said, no, no, they had an artillery gun on top of that hill protecting um, the harbour at Marillion. Right. And I'm just looking going, really? From there? You know, that must be 30 kilometres. So, I don't know. I mean, they, they were... I know on the old farm where I grew up, there was foxholes all over the place where they must have been training. They'd come in and dig a hole, and there'd be a hole on one side and a little hillock on the other side, and they'd just be everywhere. But they were old when I was growing up there, obviously. Yep. Um, but, yeah, look, that, that kick-started the dairy industry. Um, pasteurisation occurred. And I mean, ori originally, I mean... <laughs> Traditionally, it's, it's changed probably, what, the last 10, 15 years. Australia yeah. was dominated by cooperatives, wasn't it? I mean, so yeah. if you talk where you, you are, you had the Miller Miller Cooperative and you had the Melander Cooperative. Yeah. And, I mean, the ones people would know further down south would have been Bonlac until they got taken over by Fonterra. And then you had Murray Goldburn until they got taken over by Saputo. I mean, that, yeah. that that's another story. But... Where you are, it would have originally been Miller and Melander would have been two Miller, separate Miller, 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 Ravenslow, Ingham, Innisfail, Golden oh, was more. Yeah, right. there, was, there was a lot. There was a thousand yeah. farms on the tableland at one stage, no trouble at all. Um, and then over the years, like 1972, Melander and Miller um, combined. The factory was still there, but officially it was closed in 1972. The Melanda factory has moved on. We used to make yogurts, flavoured milk, casein, uh, some powders. We had the pilot plant to do the uh, protein isolation. Oh, for, yeah. For pharmaceuticals. Um, cheese. Every, we did everything. We were one of the few factories that did everything. Now so you, we just you, basically had a mu the market of North Queensland to yourself as well, though, didn't you? Yeah, it was a regulated industry up until 2000, so our, our market went down to Townsville and a little bit further. And then um, Parmalee, has, which is now Lactalis, they had a factory in Rocky, so they had the area from Mackay south. And then in southeast Queensland, it was split up. The government did all this. Um and in their wisdom, they decided that um, on the 1st of July 2000, after you know many, many schemes from 1983 on to encourage exports and try to wean the industry off domestic marketing, um, they decided to deregulate us. And yeah, that's what caused the big drop in farmers because the price here went from 58 cents for market milk to 44 cents for market milk overnight and the average price obviously dropped as well we were totally different to the rest of queensland we were on a, a percentage system here so if 100 liters of milk went into the factory and 50 liters got sold in a bottle you got 50 percent at 58 cents a liter and i had a look in 1993 we were getting 16 cents for manufactured milk so you've got the other 50 litres at 16. If it was 80 litres in a bottle and 20 litres into manufacturing, that's how it worked out. Um, come the 1st of July 2000, it was a single price across all milk. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah that it 
basically crucified the industry. And not only here, I mean, Victoria lost 1,500 farms in the first year, Andrew. I, I, I remember because we, we were looking at um, uh, uh, rotaries before we built that rotary in North yep, Queensland. That's right. Uh, that's right. Me and, me and the old man went down to Victoria for the week looking at rotaries. And it was interesting. We were talking because we were being told in North Queensland, I guess elsewhere, it was the Victorians wanted it. The Victorians wanted yep. it. They were the guys that wanted it. And we all said to the Victorian farmers, so you want deregulation? And they all just looked at the shrugged their shoulders and went, not really, but we're being told that's what's happening. Yeah, they they ceded their right to vote to the UDV. Yeah, they handed and, and, over their, their agreement. Yep. And, and and most people sort of went, well, what do we do? And and you sort of had guys with rotaries went, well, we're milking another fifty cows. It's only another ten minutes on the rotary. Hey, don't worry about it. Whereas everybody else that had a traditional herringbone or whatever it was, and you went, well, I'm going to milk another 50 cows. Well, that's another half an hour. And it it just, it just as you say, people left. I remember, you know, that the numbers dropped quite considerably, quite quickly after deregulation just in North Queensland. So when you were here, we exported roughly a third of our milk? Yep. Righto. So you're sitting down, I hope. Yeah. Australia, <laughs> Australia is now a net importer of milk. Is it now a net importer? I know it's gone from pre the drought in 2007, was it 12 billion litres? And I know yep. it's down to about 8 billion litres. Yep. So it's, it's actually the, importing milk now, is it? Well, right. So if you look at how much we produce and how much... The only reason we can export... Is because we import. If we if we ate and drank all the dairy production that we produced, yeah, we would only have enough for for our consumption. We wouldn't have enough to export because we import. There is now some volume of milk able to be exported. To export, but I mean that's it. I mean it's in in what's that going to be? Fifteen years. Yep. The dairy industry is reduced by a third, basically, hasn't it, in Australia? Well, it, it's the, the the expectation is it will drop further this year. Yeah. Mm. Yep. It's look. It. Yeah. I mean, look. Um, last year we had a, a farm startup, Steve Soley's farm, kicked over again late June, early July last year. Uh, we've got another farm out at Butchers Creek, Alan Wall. His farm will kick over again under under different ownership, obviously. But yep. his farm will kick over probably by the end of this month. Um, and we've got another young bloke looking at starting up here, probably January. I mean, you've got the same year, haven't you? There are mm. there are there are uh, young fellas, as you say, starting back into it. Or I'll be honest, with you, I'm off next week to go and see someone I've been asked to go and see. Father got out of dairying. Son is now getting back into dairying. And I'm, I mean, I've got clients myself where that's what's happened. They got out of dairying. 10 years ago the kids have now reached an age where they want to get back in so they've invested and gone daring again so there's while there's plenty of people getting out there are people coming in but it's all it's a net loss overall though yeah yeah i mean look one of the biggest issues here andrew is if someone wants to start up there are no cows for sale right i don't know if you've heard or not mate rodney hart and just finished up yes um, i saw that well, Rodney's and Rodney and his family have been on that farm since 1932. 
Um, and yeah, look, sad day for the industry. Really, really positive day for Rodney. Um, yeah. Really happy for him that he got out. Um, you know, but there's yeah, none of the family are interested, etc., um, etc. Et Same thing as everywhere else. But um, you know, we, we've got really, really good people. Um, you know, most of the people we know out here, really, yeah. really good farmers, really, really good people, really dedicated to the industry. And as a as an area here, we just did. Um, Landline just did a story on the young people coming through on the tableland. Oh, I was going to so, say you've got um, Henry Bavin. Yep. Um, um, Henry was, coming to your front. Yep. Casey Clark. Casey. Um, Casey Johnson. Darren and Rosemary Johnson. Yep. Um, Gavin Dool's young fellow, Jason. He's back on the farm running that. Like, look, we're really lucky. We've got a lot of young people coming back into the industry and you can't you can't just say the industry's buggered if you want young people to come in if you want new people to come in there's, there's got to be positive stories around i did yeah. a bit of talk back radio with with the radio station in cairns the other day and he said you know he had read the article the print article from the landline thing yeah, I sent it to you, didn't yeah. I, Neil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he just said, look, you know, this is so different to what we were talking about 12 months ago. I said, yeah, but, John, we got a we got a huge price rise last year. I mean, up until last year, the biggest price rise I had ever seen in my time in the game was $0.05. Cents. Last year, we got $0.18. Cents. Wow. Mm. All right. So, that, so what, that, what are you getting? What are you getting at the moment? Uh, we're, we're currently averaging about... 84 cents a litre, which is... 84 cents a litre. Yeah, but you've got to remember that's North Queensland components. Yes, yes. On, exact, on exactly the same dollars a kilo, South East Queensland is three cents ahead of us. Because of their really? Their, just because of their components and their quality. Right. right. Um, so we're on a bit over $12 a kilo. Okay. $12 a kilo. Yep. No That's sense. a good price. That's a very good price. It is. But if we didn't get it, Andrew, the industry wouldn't be here. Yeah. Like, oh, completely. Look, um, look I, when I spoke to John McKenzie, the talkback bloke, a few years ago, we were trying to get the 10 cents out of Coles and Woolworths. Yep. And he said, you know, what's going to happen? I said, mate, if we don't get it now, Farmers are going to think that we'll never get it, and there's going to be there's going to be discussions held around kitchen tables. There'll be decisions made. I said you won't know about them. I won't know about them. But there will be decisions made, which which no one will see the effects of for two or three years. Yeah. And when I spoke to John the other day, he said you've still got farmers leaving. I said remember we talked about the discussions around the kitchen table, John? Yeah. I said mate, this is the outcome. Um, yeah. Like Bob. Bob Johnson, Bob's in Melander, only milks, you know, 80 cows, give or take. Um, I think he's got a bit over 12 months left in the industry. Yeah. Nothing but to do with any, the industry, just time to go. Time, yeah, exactly. For anyone that's interested, that 84 cents is currently 44 pence a litre. Okay. Um, whereas we are currently probably averaging... 36. 
Yeah, 35, 36, depending on who you're supplying, you might be getting 38, 39, or you might be getting 34. So, um, yeah, I think those are the average, it's about yeah, 34, but yeah. it could be higher than that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably 34, 35 is our yeah. average at the moment. So, just, chances, just, obviously. so we're paying mid 600s for cow feed for, for, for 14% pellet. Uh, hold on. What do you say? What do you say? Think you're paying? Uh, make it make it six fifty. It's probably a little bit higher, but make it six fifty. Let's say six fifty. That's three forty three. Um, at the moment, a good quality pallet for the winter. If you're talking, let's say, an eighteen percent uh, high energy, you're probably talking three twenty, three thirty as an average. Mm-hmm. So not a million miles. No, within the ballpark anyway. Um, I mean that's an eighteen percent as well, whereas you said a fourteen. Yep. So cotton seed, you wouldn't have cotton over. We we no. There is somebody importing cotton seed or can potentially do it, but we wouldn't get cotton seed normally here. Right. So just to give you some idea, mate, um, we contracted cotton seed at the start of the year. Yeah, three hundred three hundred and forty dollars a ton plus freight, which is one hundred and seventy four dollars a ton. So yeah, five fifteen landed here. Four fifteen. Uh, that's five. That's five fifteen delivered here. Sorry, yeah. Yep. Plus plus GST. Um, yeah, well that that's that was what's GST ten percent these days, isn't yep, it? 10%, um, yep. That's two seven two. So by the time you add on GST, yeah, you. Yeah, you're talking just under 300 a ton. Right, so from the start of the year to now, it is now $710 a ton. Oh. Wow. Plus what, what's going wrong? Um, China's buying it. All right. What, um, what about, well, I thought it must be <laughs> What about molasses? What would that be? Molasses, molasses just went up $30 a ton at the mill. It is now right, three hundred and thirty dollars a ton at the mill. Three hundred and thirty. So, what would it be to get it on farm? Um, well, that's it's eleven tons in a truck, so three thousand three hundred, obviously. Yeah. Um, no. Three thousand six hundred and thirty plus freight, which is probably six hundred dollars. Uh, so that's let's say it's three thirty. Plus, let's say sixty bucks for freight. So let's make yep. it around four hundred. Well, that's just straight cane molasses, isn't it? Yep. Um, that's two eleven um, today. Whereas over here, cane molasses would probably cost you about three thirty on farm. Three hundred thirty pounds on farm to get cane molasses. Oh, wee. So okay. I mean, people. Well, I've talked, I've talked about it before because we did a podcast a couple of months ago, didn't we, about yeah. molasses. Mm. Oh, you, you missed that no, one. I missed that one. Oh, you yeah. missed that one. Right. And, and I was sort of saying, like, up in North Queensland, it was, well, it's probably obviously it's not now, but it was as cheap as chips and people literally just fed it ad-lib in, in the parlour uh, yeah. or in the dairy, whereas here you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. Um, there's obviously a cost and expense to it. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. But um, going back a little bit then, so obviously we talked about Melanda. I mean, Melanda's got um, some things it's famous for, as in Melanda milk. Do you want to um, uh, talk, tell us about them a little bit? Yeah, look, um, 
we're, we're proudest punch of our of our history. Um, so Malina Milk used to have the longest milk run in the world. We used to put the milk in be, trucks used, here. Used to be in the Guinness Book of Records. Wow. That's right. Used to put it in put it in a truck here and drive it up to Darwin. So go west from here, twelve hours to Mount Isa. Keep going west and then go north and end up in Darwin. They would just take it, drive it straight through from here. And for anyone that can't find Melanda on a map, it's the same distance from Melanda to Darwin as it is from Adelaide in South Australia to Darwin. Because when we stop, is it that far? It is. I'd never realised that. <laughs> when we, well, when we stopped doing it. National Foods started doing it out of out of South Australia. Yeah. I ne- do you know what? I never realised that that it's that it's the same distance from from Melanda to Darwin as it is from Adelaide to Darwin. Yep. I mean, ha- and having yes. having having driven from Darwin down to Alice and then immediately took the plane to um, uh, Adelaide. Um, yeah, that's that's a long old trek. It is. It is, mate. Um, but even our everyday trek, Andrew, from here to Weeper in a truck, mate, you know, like it's there's only about 100k of dirt between here and Weeper now. But, you know, 20 years ago, we blew six tyres on the main road going north, and we never yep. got to Weeper. Um, we go up there every day. Uh, we go to Mount Oyser every day. It's a 12-hour drive one way. Um, and we go down to McCoy every day. That's an eight-hour drive every day. That, that's yeah. our that's our area. That's what we area. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and that's it. Like you say, I mean, I read stories. I probably might have said them before on old podcasts. I mean, when you had uh, was it Cyclone Tracy took out Darwin? Yep. Was that was it seventy six? They actually 74. flew yep. seventy four. Sorry, they actually flew and parachuted in fresh milk into Darwin, didn't they, for for the mothers and babies because they, they couldn't get they through with the trucks. And mate, look, um, Melanda Milk was a very, you know, we were owned by the local farmers. We were run by the local farmers. We had some really exceptional staff. Um, mate, we exported milk from here to Guam either in the late 60s or the early 70s in bladders. We airlifted it to Guam. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's only, a, it's only, Jeez, mate, 10 years ago. It's only 10 years ago we were told you cannot air freight milk. And I was yeah. going, mate, we did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. He's going, no, 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 you can't do it. And I'm going, mate, we've already done it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's his old hat. <laughs> oh, look, oh, and back uh, then you wouldn't have had Cairns Airport like you do now. No, hell no. Hell no. Like Cairns Airport right. was there, but it was nothing like it is now. <laughs> No, Sorry. no, 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 definitely um, not. Yeah, so look, we, you know, we're proudest punch of what we've got, like everyone else is around the world where they live. Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. You've got to be careful of the stinging trees. So there's a, uh, it's a pioneer tree. It's it's very soft. It's it dies relatively quickly. If a tree falls over in the rainforest around here, a stinging tree will come up. It's just waiting to grow. And on their leaves, they've got a heart-shaped leaf. And if it's got little tiny hairs on the leaf, if you pat that leaf 
in one direction, it will not hurt you. If you touch that leaf, it will bite you. Um, it's like 50 hypodermic needles digging into you. Um, I mean, I mean, I remember having a bottle of poison around constantly just as soon as you store a singing tree, you killed it. Yeah. Um, look, you know, I mean, we, we take people down the scrub and show them the, show them the trees. We don't let them touch them, obviously. But I've seen, I've seen national park rangers actually pat the leaves and show you that it can be done. Oh, um, no, I wouldn't even risk it. <laughs> oh, they know what they're doing, though. Um, look, I got stung. Uh, I would have been 14 or 15. I brushed one on my shoulder. And by the time they got me home on the horse, which was probably a kilometre and a half away, and that horse galloped every step of the way, um, and the lymph glands under my arm had already started to swell. I had wheels where the leaf touched me. Um, yeah, and you still, when you have a shower, like literally up to 12 months later, you can still feel it. Wow. Uh, I was up cutting timber with my father-in-law, and like I said, if you clear anything, these things come up. And he said to me, you need to wear, um, like the Wild West movies, you wear a handkerchief around your face. Yeah. He said, if, if you don't do that, the dust off the stinging trees will, will make you bleed out the nose. And I'm just going, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, yeah. he was right. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, um, but it's not just stinging trees, is it? I mean, well, the, the, the real poison snakes aren't where you are, but you've got the ticks. You've got, getting, got, how are you? We're getting, yeah, there's, there's been a few browns around here just lately. It's a, right. it's, I don't know if you've heard over there, but it's a big year for brown snakes in Australia. No, we um, haven't heard that. I say it was just um, red-bellied blacks and pythons when I was there. Um, yep. So you've got, you've, you've got the snakes, you've got the stinging trees, you've got the ticks, uh, you've got the cane toads. Um, what else is there? There's something. Oh, you've got some spiders. Why do you want to live there, James? <laughs> um, uh, just, just go down the coast now. We've got crocodiles. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a, bloke Hello, um... in, a bloke down in, in the Russell River, just at Gordonville, there. He, he dived into the into the river the other. Oh, this is twelve months ago. He dived into the mouth of a crocodile. Oh my word! Wow. It was, it was a freshie, but he literally yeah. dived into its open mouth. I just think um, leeches. Um... I'm not sure why did why did I live up there for six <laughs> for six years or whatever it was just to see what would happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, oh yeah, but it was so an experience. The, the biggest snake we've picked up here. Um, I don't I don't mind the pythons; they're pretty handy. We picked up a three point nine five meter python down the paddock. Brought yeah. him, like sat on the motorbike, held his head in my hand, wrapped him around my waist, brought him home. Got a couple of photos, took him back, let him go. Yeah. The bloke that owned this place before me, he saw a 20-footer. Wow. Down on, the, on that bottom flat, the flat that's 300 feet lower than where I am. He saw the snake on the head of a tree down there. He also spent four hours trying to push a 14-foot python into his tucker bag because the local ambulance used to support themselves. The government didn't give them money or didn't give them much money. 
So they used to sell snakes by the foot. And a four-foot yeah. snake was going to be worth a bit of money. So he spent yeah, four well. hours trying to put it in his tucker bag and give it up. Yeah. And just just next door to us here, Andrew, they cleared the gorge, the very steep country, and there was yeah. a couple of trees still standing. So Don, the bloke next door, at that time, him and the dog went down to fall a couple of these trees that were left, and he's crawling in under the lantana. Oh, there's another good one. What you don't want lantana? Why do you want that? That'll kill your cattle. Not well, down in Victoria, they make hedges out of it. They actually go and buy it and fertilize it. I know. <laughs> Up here, it kills cattle. Um, well, this this bloke's dog jumped over the log, and the log moved. So yeah. he realised what he was looking at. He backed back, went down the hill, went back in, and the, the same snake was lying there. So he went further down the hill and back in, and the same snake was still there, so he went home. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> well, you remember Maxie? Yeah. Yep, so Maxie used to own the block next to us down here that we've bought off him now. He came <laughs> back and saw us in October 2005, and he said, you been down the back? I went, yeah. He said, you seen him? I went, how long is he? And he was about two and a half foot Holy when he was curled up. And I said, well, how long is he, Max? He said, I've got a stick and just give him a tickle. He said, mate, if he's not 20 feet, he's 25. Yeah. yeah. So I, I spent a few hours each day for the next three days down there just looking to get a photo of him. But I never yeah. ever laid eyes on him. Wow. I, I, I've got to be honest, I never saw anything like that. Most I probably <laughs> saw. The most I probably saw was six foot at the most. Yeah. And I never saw anything that size. I'd have to see that size. I'd be running too fast. Sorry, what was that, James? No, no, look, we've got a seven foot of lips in the dairy. Just above yeah. our Yeah. Yeah, and no, I, knew, I knew a few people like that had them sort of round the dairy because, of course, yeah, they're, they, yeah. they're vermin control, aren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. They are. They are. Um, so, look, just, just to go on with that, mate, as we were talking about before you started recording over at Atherton, there's a photo. I've got the photo somewhere here. I just can't find it. There's a photo of a strangler fig tree. So the tree grows up and then a fig tree gets a, a fig tree seed gets deposited in a, on a bough in a fork, whatever, by a bird, and it grows and it will eventually strangle the fig, sorry, strangle the tree that it is growing on, and that yeah. tree will eventually die, and the strangler will go to the next tree next to it, and again and again. So well, it's, it's worth a... looking up. For anybody who wants to see what James is talking about, look up uh, cathedral fig tree or curtain fig tree. They're usually a good um, uh, a good exactly. picture of what they are. Yeah. 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 Right, so this tree, they put a photo of it in the London Times in 1907, and in the photo, there's a bloke sitting on a horse, there's a bullock, and there's a bloke maybe 30, 40, 50 feet up the tree. They're very, very small. Um, that tree was 158 feet around. It's not a solid tree, but in World War II, the Americans used it as a, uh, as a landmark because obviously there was no GPS or anything like that back then. But, yeah, after World War II, they burnt that tree and two others down because they needed to grow food. So that's what happened. Well, yeah, like you say, I mean, I said earlier in this piece, wasn't it, like Miller's only been going since, what, what, 1911 or something? Yeah, 
yeah, like exactly. that, you know. Yeah. And I certainly remember when I was there, there was the back of our uh, block, there was country there, I told them, I mean, cleared sort of 10 years previously, and you sort of went, well, why, given it was only dry cow country, but it, it, that's what was that's what was yep. done. It was it was rainforest. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, ju- and just to indicate how the storms that you were speaking about, tell us a story about where the bullocks were in the in the tree. Yeah. Um, look, this is so. This is back in you know in the early early days, and they had bullocks pulling timber out of the scrub, and there was a thunderstorm, and they lost the team of bullocks. So we're talking about between ten and sixteen fully grown bullocks, and they couldn't find them. And they eventually found them inside the tree because the, the trees aren't solid. Yeah, I, 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 I gotta say, I didn't used to mind thunderstorms till I lived in North Queensland. <laughs> I mean, here, here, here you get a thunderstorm and that's it. As James knows, we're coming into storm, he'd be coming into storm season now. But you, you, you go out at night and there were literally about half a dozen storms all the way around you, won't there? Um, <laughs> and, and, and you know, I certainly. Um, had the you know everybody knows property that's been struck by it or cows that have been lost by it. I mean, I remember living in the old Queenslander and uh, a clap went over literally above the house and it made me literally jump straight out of bed and wonder what the hell stood on two feet wondering what was going on because the, the the noise was just horrendous and it made the whole the yeah, whole house shake. Yeah, and it was oh yeah. Proper storms. Proper, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. The, the storms are nothing over <laughs> here, I tell you. <laughs> so on top of that, we get cyclones. Yep. So there's only been three decent cyclones since I've been here. One was Winifred in, <laughs> uh, in 1986. One was Larry in 2006. And one was Yassi in 2011. By far the biggest was Yassi. By far the most dangerous, or not the most dangerous, but the most destructive was Larry in 2006. Um, I remember yeah. talking to yourself or someone else at the time saying, was it, who was it? Oh, I can't remember who it was, but being in a room and literally the glass shattered about a minute after yeah. they'd been out of the room and it was embedded in the wall wow. where they'd been stood. Well, so we were sitting on the, where I'm sitting talking to you now, Andrew, I was sitting on this table doing an interview with the ABC radio um, about the dancing heifers because our heifers had come home and they were walking up the, up the tanker track. And when the gusts of wind come, because it's not a consistent wind, it comes and it goes, mm. they, they would walk forward as the wind dropped and as the wind picked up, it would blow them back. And then they'd <laughs> forward and then it would blow them back. And on the ABC oh. radio, I had a lady from West Australia that I knew at the time, um, she rang up and she said, I heard you on the radio the other day talking about the dancing heifers. So while I'm sitting on the table doing that interview, sorry, my wife was here with me, and she said, I don't feel safe. And she went and sat downstairs where there's two brick walls and a mm, room between yeah. them. Well, I'm still sitting on the table and a piece of 4 2 timber, hardwood timber, comes through the ceiling of the of the kitchen here and yep. hit the wall like a foot from where she had been standing four or five Man. minutes before. And the, I said to the bloke, you know, oh, geez, that's not good. And he goes, what happened? I, think, I said, I think I just lost the roof. And he said, what are you <laughs> going to do? I said, I'll give you the hint. We're not going out to put it back on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what had happened was part of the roof at the dairy had come off 
and a piece of 4v2 out of that roof had come up, gone through our roof, and hit the hit the wall. Hit the wall. Wow. But I mean, we were safe. Yeah. There was no issue. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Got away with it. Yeah. But like I say, only. I mean, it's only three in forty years, mate. It's not. And that until wall, they get so to a that. category three, they're just not worth naming. Well, I, say, I mean, I remember Rona, and you didn't even mention that. I, mean, I guess that hit a rain depression more by the time yeah, it hit yeah. us, hadn't it? Uh, so, but well, yeah, that that just, was a lot of rain. Well, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what brought it, but the heaviest rain I remember here was 825 mils in two days. <laughs> um, yeah. So we had we had rain on Saturday and Sunday. It broke on Monday. And on Wednesday, there was dust flying on the road, mm. but there was still water in the bottom of the puddles. Well, that's what you say. It's the, it's, it's the depth of topsoil up there, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember when I moved up or moved, uh, before I moved to Australia, I was told, oh, it's 30 to 40 feet. And then when I got there, I was told, no, 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 it's 30 to 40 metres of yeah. topsoil. So it, it is incredibly free draining. Right. And, and if you, we need that, you need that 100 inches, but what you could do with is, is two inches a week, maybe Wednesday and Saturday night, and it would be perfect. Not huge exactly deluge, right. not exactly huge deluge. Right. And, and I mean, I remember you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, an old farmer, well, he's an old woodcutter before that, wasn't it? If there wasn't rain for three days, we had an epping drought going on. That's in, right. Uh, That's up, right. Up there, um, because it was, Mate, just needed the rain. Yeah. If you could organise that rain on Wednesday and Saturday, that'd be yep. that'd be well appreciated. Yeah, well, and, and then occasional two week break so you can make Haley. Yeah, <laughs> well, I suppose I suppose that's the other thing, Andrew. Our pasture here is totally different to what you've got. Yeah, and um, the fibre in our pasture restricts how much milk we can get. Yeah, so sure. we we plant ryegrass every year. We plant it March, April, or April, May. Probably April, May is a better better example. And it's it's finished now. It's gone. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's it, it can't compete with the tropical grasses. Can no, it? no. Mm -hmm. And I mean the the ceteria in the in the ryegrass paddocks has already come back. It's already gone to seed. And I was over at the sun in sun in laws place today. They're irrigating and mowing paddocks, topping paddocks. Wow. Yeah, just to keep the just to keep the pasture quality up there now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. I know it's it's all the same but different. It really is. And you know, you still milk cows, you still graze cows, but you you know, for myself, I had to learn to graze tropical grasses. That over here, you might go in at covers of I don't know what you're going to say ryegrass three thousand. So what's that going to be? let's say six inches to then when you take them out, they're going to be what two inches down or whatever it is. I remember you go in at what foot 18 inches or whatever it is. And you come out at six inches because if you graze it too tight, that's when you let the weeds in. That's when you that's let the right. lantana in or whatever else it was. So it was, it was a, it was a, it was learning to graze differently. So yep. you got out just at the right time, mate. Um, we now have a weed called Navua Sedge, N-A-V-U-A space S-E-D-G-E. -E. It's Never a grass. Yeah. We're really lucky, mate. We've been. It was on my father-in-law's place back in the early 80s, 
and we were spraying it with Roundup. We had no idea what it was. We just knew it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, it is. There are now people walking off their properties because of it. Wow. Hmm. It, it, you look it up. Um, it goes from a seed to a seeding plant in 78 days. It's got 250,000 seeds per flower. Yeah. And it's got a 15-year seed life in the soil. Oh, my word. Wow. And where does it come from originally? Uh, South America. Right. And we've been spraying it here on blocks that we lease for... 15 plus years and there's more of it now than there has ever been and we we spray a lot <laughs> we yeah. we're on the, we're on the bike a lot spraying and just for fun in the back of your place where i can look across to your place yeah there was on if the sun is right i can see it shining from here wow Gee. so yeah look there's some there's some specific chemicals out for it now, but um, yeah, the 15 year in the soil seed life is a big issue. That that's an issue, yeah, definitely, yeah. So, definitely. Yeah. You end yeah, up but, buying a new farm back every year. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we say that with blue gums. I remember that farmers used to say to me was. Getting rid of them, you actually end up buying your farm back every year with the amount of money that you pay. So well, as much as, much as I hate to say it, I'm now looking at the time and we've been going for well over an hour already. <laughs> and I know I could quite happily just Absolutely keep talking great. to you for another hour because I looked at the time at like 50 minutes and I'm like, really? Have we been that long already? It only felt like sort of 20 minutes. So from from... Uh, the point of view of the podcast, I think it's probably time to draw it to a close because otherwise it will will be it will be our longest podcast. But hopefully, people will enjoy it because it's just giving us a flavour of, of farming somewhere else and and what it's like elsewhere, and that's what we wanted to do. Um, so hopefully, people will in, enjoy that, and mm. you know, we'll we'll do something similar again if if people do. So um, on that note, um, any last words of wisdom from yourself, James? Oh, mate. Um, yeah, look, we're just talking about about your cow, Page House Shuttle Noni, tonight, yeah. again. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, people remember. And, yeah, I mean, look, we, we remember you and your mum and dad fondly from your time here. And um, I think that's, that's why we all... Um, the, the dairy industry is a family. That's that's how we see it. That's how we treat it. Um, and yeah, I mean that's that's the beauty of. We've had a bloke Andrew. He was in the industry. He only worked in the industry. He never he never owned a farm. But he's he doesn't milk cows anymore. But he still comes to the QDO, the East Coast milk. Yeah. He still yeah. comes to those things because of that family connection. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like being part of a group of people, and yeah, look, I mean, people belong to it, and I mean, yeah, uh, people remember you and your mum and dad, and and you know, we we're talking about different people the other day, and this bloke looked at me, he goes, Garrity, Ambrose, I said, yeah, Ambrose, my granddad, oh mate, Ambrose, good bloke, rah, rah. mate, my grandfather died in nineteen sixty seven. <laughs> this bloke 
knew my grandfather. Yeah, and, amazing. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking going, how? How could you possibly remember him? But um, <laughs> I was down where we come from at Lismore. I was down there last year um, doing a meeting down there. And we went out and we met this farmer. And he goes, rah, rah, rah. He said, you said today that you come from here. I went, yeah. He said, where would you come from? I said, McLean's Ridges. He said, mate, you should go up and see this bloke. I said, oh, yeah. And he, he gave me the name. And I, I couldn't go because we're going back to Brisbane that afternoon. And he said, mate, he's 94. He would remember your grandfather when your grandfather wow. left here. Wow. And yeah. I'm just going, mate, I wish I had time. I really do. Um, that yeah. was two years ago. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, look, mate, yeah, fondly remembered, always enjoyed, really enjoyed tonight, mate. Look forward to talking to you again sometime. Yeah, no, we should definitely do this again, James, because I really – I know in the, in the last, well, pretty much since I left North Queensland, we kept in contact usually via messaging on Facebook or yep. whatever it's been. Uh, and that's the great thing. But it's actually really nice to sit down and, and uh, have a chat with, with you. So, mm. yeah, no, we it's ought really to. It's really nice to realise that I'm not the only one getting older, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a wonderful industry, you guys are right. It is really Oh, wonderful. it is. It is. I mean, yeah. look, mate, it, it's... We've got really, really good. Someone said to me the other day, "Why do you do what you do?" And I went, "Well, mate, they're my people, whether they want to be or not. At this point of time, I represent them, and they're my people. Yeah, exactly. they're family. It's yeah. just, it's just like a big family. So, mm. right, yeah. I'll let you no. go. It has been brilliant, mate. Look forward to talking to you again in the future. Nice to meet you, yeah. Neil. Yeah, thanks, James. You too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Uh, why don't you come out here and do the podcast from out here? We are going to say no to that. If you're, if you're <laughs> going to pay for the tickets, James, we'll come. Uh, I, I was thinking, mate, all the money you're going to drag in on this, you'll need a tax deduction. So <laughs> well, it would be nice. We've already suggested we've had a listener from Hawaii once. Yeah, we? Yeah. we said we'd quite happily go to Hawaii and do the podcast. But, you know, if the offer's there, I'm sure yeah. we'll, we'll get there one day. We'll I get there one day. I would love to come back yeah. to North Queensland again one day, but uh, just what catch up with people. But, uh, but yeah, you, you just hang there a minute, James. But uh, I guess um, otherwise, yeah. um, anything else from yourself? No, that was absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much, James. That was yeah, nice. no. I enjoyed it. Lovely to hear different stories. That's exactly. Exactly that, what we wanted. That was wonderful. So, as I say, this is our December one. So, happy Christmas. Yes, happy Christmas. And um, a happy new year. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Absolutely. Till next time. No worries. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Now for the really boring bit, I'm afraid, the legal disclaimer. The information provided during this podcast has been prepared for general information purposes only and does not constitute advice. The information must not be relied upon for any purpose and no representation or warranty is given to its accuracy, completeness or otherwise. Any reference to other organisations, businesses or products during the podcast are not endorsements or recommendations of Tune the Cut Limited. The views of Andrew Jones are personal and may not be the views of Tune the Cut Limited and the views of Neil Gregor are personal and may not be the views of Viking Genetics and any affiliated companies. For more information on the podcast, articles and details of services offered by Tune the Cut Limited, visit www.tunethecut.com. Thank you and goodbye.